Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm your host today, Jill Taylor, and I'm excited about our guest and maybe a little unsteady because this is a man who really knows the laws and the issues of Kansas. Welcome, Daniel Hawkins. Good morning. We're glad to have you here. Speaker, I'm interested. Several mid-American states are suddenly dealing with a push to make abortion legal at all stages of development in the womb. Why do you think that is? I really don't understand why anybody would want to do that, make it legal like they're trying. Number one, I guess they just do not look at a baby in the womb as being a living being, but it truly is. We've proven that over and over and over again. We have a, actually here in Kansas, we have a, a prime example. One of our senators, his wife had their baby, I believe it was at 22 weeks, and it was a tough time for him. You know, the, the, the baby was born early, was in the hospital for probably six months, but you couldn't tell that today. The, the baby's, or the little girl's probably, I don't know, she's got to be approaching two years old at least now. And she is a happy, very happy, beautiful little girl. And, and I look at her and I say, people who want to make abortion legal at all stages like that, they need to understand that they are killing a human being. And so trying to figure out why they want to do these things, I just can't get there in my brain. I can't understand how they could possibly think that that's a good thing. And so it's a very difficult thing. You know, we're dealing with it here in Kansas, too. You know, we have a governor that truly is a advocate for abortion rights, and, of course, she'll veto every single thing we send her. This year, we had four bills. We called them life bills, but they weren't really – it didn't have a whole lot to do with abortion. They had a whole lot more to do with pregnancy crisis centers, making sure that we were funding those. So the babies that were born that, you know, the parents didn't feel like that they could keep them, that there was a place for them to go to get help. So we did a lot of those, but she vetoed every single one of them, and we overrode three of the four vetoes. So our governor is going to always veto any pro-life bills that we send there, plus anything that, you know, even after they're born. You know, the born alive bill was one that she vetoed, and we overrode that significantly. You know, we're dealing with it here in Kansas, and I know other states are dealing with it too. You know, we had the, the value them both uh, amendment, of course, right after Roe v. Wade was Overturn about, uh, I think it was like 19 days later, we had a vote on value them both constitutional amendment. And we lost that one, you know, overwhelmingly. I think it was a 60 40 vote, 60, you know, 60 to stop the amendment from happening. And so we're dealing with it here. I hope that people see what's going on in Kansas. Hope Kansans, the Kansans who voted against value them both, are seeing what's going on here in Kansas because right now, we're becoming the abortion capital of the Midwest. You know, people are coming from Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas to have abortions because, you know, we do have a law in the books, or, or, and it's still, it's still there. 
anything after 22 weeks they can't uh, they can't abort except for the life of the mother uh, or incest. But so we do still have some good laws on the books, but they're taking a shot at every one of them that they can as they as they have the opportunity. They'll take us to court and try to get those laws determined to be unconstitutional. So we're having to deal with that a lot right now. First of all, thank you for being so articulate about this issue as someone who's been voted on to be a representative in Kansas. I'm really grateful for that. One of the things that just is a, a baffle to me is the concept of adoption, because adoption is such a good medium for people who are able to have that child and place, they're taking care of a child, but you don't have to do anything with it after it's born. And somebody who's desperately wanting a child is going to make that child the happiest kid in the, <laughs> in the world. So do you have any experiences with people that you've tried to discuss with them adoption versus abortion? Me personally, no, I, I haven't. We do have some representatives in the House of House of Representatives that are actually in that business. We have one of our attorneys, and you may have heard of her, Susan Humphreys. That's what she does, is she's an adoption attorney. She's very much in tune with what it takes to get through that. I have not personally, but there again, I can't understand why people would want to abort a baby when it's a living being. It can live outside the womb. And why not let that baby be born and, and adopted out to somebody who actually wants and, 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 and desires to have children? And then many times, they're begging for a child. To me, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. Well, if we were to compare the adoption versus the abortion, there are a lot of differences. <laughs> One of the beautiful things is if you have chosen not to be involved with that child, when they're grown up or when they're in their high school years, you know, you can search and find them and rethink that and see this child that is a very capable person in this world that we wouldn't have if you aborted. It just doesn't make sense to me either that I understand that no one wants to go through nine months of a pregnancy and then place the child. That's very hard because you're attached and I think that's probably what they're concerned about. How can I do this? Or their situation is, this isn't my husband's. I don't want him to know about it. I've got to get this taken care of, which is taking one really bad experience <laughs> and doubling it. So your advice for people, I'm sure, is make good decisions and then value the life that you created. Certainly in our world, there's absolutely no reason for an unwanted pregnancy, number one. In the Affordable Care Act, they made it free for people. Literally, they can get the contraceptive free. And so why are we even having unwanted pregnancies is, is really uh, the question why that shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening. But it does, and if it does, then let's educate and make sure people understand that, number one, it's not just a bowl full of mush. It is a living being that's got a heartbeat and feels pain, and, and they need to carry it to birth. And there's so many people out there that are, and adoption is very expensive. That's the other, you know, for many people. Some people, maybe it's, maybe it's a little out of reach, but 
because I do know it costs a lot to adopt. But you know, we have a senator that's adopted two children. Uh, and, then, and now, after adopting two, his wife finally is pregnant. Actually, she may be due any time. You better check. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. I saw her just recently. She may be right there. So it's interesting how, you know, you have a person that couldn't have a child, and they tried and tried and tried, so they adopted. They adopted twice. And now all of a sudden, guess what? It's their turn, and they, they're actually having a child. So that's what a blessing. That's an interesting topic. I'd love to talk later with you about that at some point, because that adopting of a child has to be in the couple's mind the very thing that they would have if they had their own child. And you have to do that so that there's no sense of... I'm the special one because I was born from you, and this is not the special one because it's just an adoption. And that's kind of that's a tough road. Right. Hey, I want to know, you mentioned that there were three things that Kansas agreed upon, and then you didn't talk about what the fourth one was that was lost. What were the three things they agreed upon? You know, unfortunately, I have absolutely, you caught me at a time when I have no notes in front of me. It was actually a tax credit for a pregnancy crisis centers. Because it was a tax credit, it was in with quite a few other tax bills. And so we lost that whole package of tax bills. And that was just one of many that was a part of that tax package. But the reason why she vetoed the tax package was because of that particular provisions. You know, she, she equated it to, um, you know, her beliefs on abortion should be available to anybody up to birth. You know, that's kind of the way she thinks of it. Anything that uh, infringes on that, she's going to veto. Wow, this has been a fast half of our interview, and we're going to take a quick break and come right back to Choose Life Radio. Just want to send a word out to my friends here at Choose Life Radio. I know I've shared this Old Testament story with you before, but If you remember when I did, please forgive me because it's still one of my favorites and it is so indicative of our experiences at Choose Life Radio. In Exodus 17, Moses is standing on a hilltop watching Joshua and the Hebrew army battling below. God's staff is securely in Moses' hand and he's intensely focused on the battle. It immediately becomes obvious that when Moses keeps his arms and staff high in the air, Joshua and the army prevail. But when his arms begin to drop, and they did, the army began to lose. Seeing the situation, and while the battle was raging, Aaron and her run to the top of the hill to be with Moses. And then they did what no one else did. They took Moses' hands and supported them, And then the staff was lifted high in the air. And guess what happened next? The Bible records his hands remained steady until the sun went down. This is how Joshua defeated Amalek and his army, not by the might of the sword, but by God's power and pleasure. The analogy is nearly perfect. You, listener, are Aaron and Hur. And through your financial and prayer support, you keep our arms high and heard by those in the valley. But like Moses, we can't do it alone. So please send your generous contributions today at chooseliferadio.com. 
Or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio 44735. Your tax-deductible contribution is essential. Thank you for holding our arms and staff high for all to see and hear and for joining us in this battle for life. And thank you for being an essential part of the Choose Life Radio family. You are loved and deeply appreciated. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. Our guest today is Daniel Hawkins, representative of Kansas, Speaker of the House, and I have learned a lot about our individual responsibility in assisting good people to run for office and making sure we know the character and the focus of people running for election. We're responsible for who we select to run our cities, our counties, our states. What things would you course us on today about preparing to vote because we're getting ready to go into a voting time. What are the things that you think we need to really take a good look at when we're making a choice? It's been my experience in uh, 11 years of being a state representative that probably less than 20% of the people actually know who they're voting for. Most people, I would say 80% of people who go to the poll are voting just on name recognition only, name ID. We call it name ID. They see the mailers that come out. They see the social media. You know, they see your signs, all those various things. And all those generally do is just give name ID. They don't really tell you a lot about the person who you're voting for. And so it really takes more work to find out about people. It takes a person who wants to read up about what the person is about. Most candidates actually have a website. If it's a pro-life candidate, I guarantee you they're going to have something about their philosophy on life on their website. And so it's always, that's a great place to start us to go to their website. Here in Kansas, we're lucky. Uh, We have a very great life organization that is Kansas for Life. Every election, they send out a voter guide to all registered voters, letting them know whether the person's a pro-life person or not. And so they truly help us. You know, when I talk to folks here in my district, because I still even, you know, I'll I'll be starting into election cycle again next year. I'll go door to door. And many people, when you go to the door, they'll say, you know, where are you at on life? And, and, and so here in my district, it's a very important thing. I, I would say well over 50% of the people in my district, number one, are Catholic. Not all Catholics are pro-life, but certainly a good share of them are. And even uh, other denominations, whether, you know, in the Christian faith, whether it's Baptist or whatever, a lot of them will ask that question because they want to know what your view is on life. And so by going door-to-door, especially if you get to meet them, they get to find that out. But if that doesn't happen, how are they going to do that? It takes work on their part to do that. And so I really think that people need to be more informed about all of the issues that we're voting on. But here in Kansas, probably the number one issue, I think it is number one, top of the list, is life. Number two is, of course, our Second Amendment rights. And people truly vote on those two issues. That, that's a lot of times are the items that will 
garner your vote from folks. So, so I think people just need to really, it's interesting that we will spend more time planning for our vacation than we do understanding who is representing us in our government. We'll spend hours, we'll spend hours planning our vacation, but we won't spend five minutes to find out about the people we're voting for. That's a real interesting comment, and I think that our listener, for sure, will pick that up, because sometimes we wait until the last minute, we don't really know even who's on the ballot, and this is really ridiculous, because we are a country that has the privilege of choosing our leaders, and so we really need to do that, and I'm hoping that the church will continue to make statements of Take time. Look and see who you want to vote for. They're, of course, not allowed to suggest who to vote for, but they are allowed to say, this is our country, and we need to have you pay close attention to who you want leading this country or leading this county or this state, etc. One of the things that I'm really noticing right now in our culture is just this terrible sense of hurting people. You know, you you see pictures on television where a guy will come and just smack an old man or take a purse from a woman and, and hurt her. What's happening to us in the issue of kindness, the respect, the gentle speech? Are we going to shout people down and attack them and and become horrible people to the elderly? As a believer, where do you think America is heading? Wow. That's a huge area to cover, and it's something that we talk about a lot, not necessarily in public, not in a public place where, you know, there's records of what we say, but certainly in our conversations with each other, we talk about the visceral nature of people today, and it's steadily getting worse. You know, 11 years ago, I don't think it's a, it was near as bad as what it is today. Our culture, our, our society has changed fundamentally. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think the internet hasn't helped. The 24-7 news cycle hasn't helped. The press no longer reports facts. It's all opinion now. And when you call one of them out on their opinion, they'll say, hey, that's my opinion. I'm not telling you it's fact. I'm just saying that's my opinion and I can give my opinion. Well, the problem is, is a lot of people believe what they hear. We make jokes about, well, if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. Well, it doesn't. You know, there's just tons of false information that's put out on the Internet and and social media, and people read it, and they think it's fact, and it's just not. Deep down, where it starts is it starts with the parents. Parents are not parenting anymore. They're not teaching their children right from wrong. They're not bringing their children up in a church. That's where our country really got its base, its its moral base was in church. And when you don't have those teachings going on, things start going bad in society. And that's, I think that's where we're at today is that parents aren't parenting and they aren't bringing their children up to understand kindness and some of those things that being able to hide behind email and text and social media posts, they think they're kind of anonymous or Nobody knows who they are. When I started 11 years ago in the legislature, I was really surprised at some of the things people would write you. 
I live about two and a half hours from the state house. So when I would leave on Friday to go home, I would actually spend the drive home calling. I had a list of people to call who had sent me emails and they were, number one, they were astonished that they got a call from an email. And when I would ask them, do you really believe what you sent me? And they, well, you know, I was just a little upset that day and, you know, I probably shouldn't have wrote that, but I really didn't know anybody would call me on it. And I go, well, I'm going to. Uh, If you want to have a dialogue, I'm more than willing to have a dialogue with you. But if you're going to be nasty in your email and say all kinds of nasty things about me, then it's hard for us to ever have a dialogue and be able to talk because I'm just going to shut down. I don't want to talk to somebody that's going to be like that. And once I called them and they knew that I I would call them, they didn't write those anymore. And some of those people I actually became acquainted with and talked to them more frequently and took some of that edge off. That doesn't mean that they still don't get upset about some of the things that's going on, but it took some of that edge off to where they wouldn't write those nasty emails like they had been. So, But you can't do that uh, all the time because there's just too many. Well, I'm sure there are very few people who are representing any state who are making calls like that. But that is so important because if we don't get someone saying, wait, did you really mean that? Because let me give you some examples of the things that we're doing that are exactly what you want. Then they back down and they understand, no, these are, this is somebody I want to vote for the next time because he heard me or she heard me and she understands or he understands what it is that I'm talking about. What was really interesting this year, this session, when we passed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, the phone calls that I got as speaker, and they came from every state in the nation. I, I got very few calls from my own district because, quite frankly, I think my district agrees with what we did. But across the nation, there was some information put out with my name, phone number, address, everything. And they started calling. And over a, it lasted about four days where I probably received, I don't know, in those four days, probably six, 700 calls. And I didn't answer them. I mean, once it started, you just let them go to voicemail and it clog up the voicemail and you'd empty it out and they'd clog it up again. But it was some of the most nasty voicemails and emails that I think I've ever gotten. It was just unbelievable what these folks do out there. That's so unfair to do when you're sitting out there, you're, nobody knows who you are, and you're attacking uh, someone who has been voted in. I think that's one of the things that we need to be responsible for as individuals. Look at the person you're getting ready to vote for, make sure that's who you want, and then get behind them and support them. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to ask you one last question, and we only have just about three more minutes, but knowing the work it takes to serve in government, whether you're state or city or nation, what words of wisdom can you offer to our listener about our political responsibilities and maybe a word of encouragement for America and our leadership? I would say, number one, most people have opportunity to get to know their representatives and their senators and their city council and and school board members, all of them. They have an opportunity. They have to, but they have to take that opportunity and go out and make an effort to get to know them. Many of my representatives have forums and they'll take the time on a Saturday during session to go home and do a forum and only have 10 people show up. 
I think the worst I ever had was I had three people show up. I still did it. You know, I still went on ahead and spent the time and talked to the three that were there. I was disappointed in the fact that more people didn't take the opportunity to come and talk about the issues of the day. I think being involved means that you're going to have to take the step of getting to know your reps. And once you get to know them and they know you, then you have a link, a dialogue that you can start. So anytime I meet somebody, especially a constituent, and we talk, or if they email me, I capture their information. That way, if they do call this phone number, I'm going to answer it because there's a name on there. If it's just a number, I don't answer it because I never know what's going to be on. I don't know if it's going to be press trying to get you in a gotcha situation. And so I don't answer, I answer my voicemail. I, I listen to them, and then I decide what I'm going to do. When I talk to groups, especially when I talk about activism, becoming an activist and really working for the issues that are important to you, the best way to do it is to call your rep and say, hey, I'd like to get to know you. Let's meet for coffee. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. And very seldom will anybody turn you down for that. I'm going to go meet. And you know, almost every time, it doesn't end up being 30 minutes. We end up sitting there talking for an hour and a half about all kinds of issues. And what a gift that is for you and others to do that kind of responsive joining in with someone who needs information. Finally, I just want to share that I know you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and I love that you are very clear about that. Dan Hawkins, we are so blessed that you were willing to come and talk with us about these important issues. And listener, we will see you next week right here on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.